Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson both going to be active for the Bengals, so we get that LSU rematch we've been looking forward to all year. Let's break down everything else with Jake Lisko and Locked On Bengals. It's Crossover Thursday. You like it? I want to do you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, football fans? It's time for another crossover here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Jake Lisko from Locked On Bengals. He's Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings for this week's prize picks crossover Vikings Bengals like I mentioned backup quarterbacks fringe playoff teams we're going to get into the biggest stories the biggest matchups the keys to victory for these teams and this episode is sponsored by prize picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL will get you a first deposit match up to $100 and you can find these shows locked on Vikings locked on Bengals on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast we appreciate every single one of you who make us your first respective listens and all the everydayers out there and Luke let's get into some big stories backup quarterbacks changing quarterbacks in Minnesota I'll let you start what's the big story for the Minnesota Vikings yeah, so uh, hi, Cincinnati. Things are a lot different than when we looked at this matchup two months ago. <laughs> uh, and since we, we met last year, too. Uh, it's dark. The Vikings are starting Nick Mullins, and that's the fourth starting quarterback the Vikings have had this year. They had Kirk Cousins get hurt in week eight. Jaron Hall started the next game, got concussed immediately, lost his job to Joshua Dobbs, who just lost his job to Mullins last week. And now officially they're moving forward with Mullins. So we don't really know a lot about Mullins. We haven't seen him play for the Vikings a lot. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of Mullins over, over, you know, in San Francisco and Vegas and stuff, but he's fairly new to us as Vikings fans. He's a little bit more stable. I think if you got Dobbs, I'd be telling you, man, like you can really get this guy to mess up and throw stupid interceptions or he'll, he'll, you know, be in the grasp of a sack and just wing the ball out. And you'll get, he's, he threw two interceptions to nose tackles in his brief stint as a Viking. Like he'll do that kind of stuff. Uh, Nick Mullins has some of that. Like he's not the safest guy. This is not, I like I've been saying, you know, we had Sean Mannion as a backup for a few years. This isn't Sean Mannion where nothing will happen. Uh, he'll still get outside the pocket. If he can, if he, if the, there's an opportunity to, and, and maybe scramble, he's fast ish, but not that fast. Um, but What's important is that the rhythm is proper with him. He's on time. He's in. He's delivering the ball where it is supposed to be. Not a crazy arm. Not a lot of talent. Uh, as compared to guys that are on purpose starters in this league, you know, he's not this dude just dripping with these crazy deep balls or something like that. But like, he can throw a corner route. Like he can. He can. He can hit that throw. Uh, and ideally, we live in a world where the this game came down to something else, and he just played a little bit of point guard. Are you expecting then this like heavy play action screen game, running game kind of approach from the Vikings? Because that's what the Bengals have seen as a change of pace for their offense with Jake Browning. Interesting. I, no, I don't think so. Um, Mullins has been trained in the Kirk Cousins offense, so he'll do what Kirk Cousins did, which there there's some of the movement stuff uh, and play action stuff, but like they are... Kevin O'Connell, as opposed to the Kubiaks who were here, or even like McVay and Shanahan themselves, Zach Taylor, a lot more interested in the drop back game. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just straight dropbacks, you know, five routes, five wide, attacking, you know, middle field safeties and attacking half safeties and trying to sort of whiteboard his way through those games with just dropback stuff rather than the the rollouts. They're kind of our version of quick game where instead of running like slant flat, we'll run a little keeper slide and check it down for, to the tight end for three yards. And that's kind of our like, you know, easy get into rhythm kind of play. But it very much serves only that purpose. They don't really use it so much as a shot play anymore because defenses are just too keyed into that. Instead, their shot plays are, you know, drop back, um, maybe play action, but not like rollout play action. Uh, and, you know, go balls down the sideline or deep post to Jordan Addison, that kind of stuff. And of course, we'll talk about the return of Justin Jefferson. But I do find yeah, that interesting. Yeah. And it is. That's really interesting. Yeah. Something that. Well, I mean, just leaning on a backup to just continue to live in the dropback world. To, to and, me, and to, watching what has happened when they asked Jake Browning to do that in Cincinnati against Pittsburgh a few weeks ago, and it was just a disaster. And then this total transformation against given schematically very different teams and the Indianapolis Colts and Jacksonville Jaguars on defense. The Bengals started to live in this under center play action. No more mm. empty. We're going to run the ball arguably more, although if you look only at more neutral game script situations. It's actually the same run pass split, which is something oh, they were just ahead the athletic of pointed out, but um, a lot more play action screen stuff from the Bengals, a lot less. We're going to ask the true pass set kind of pass protection, straight drop back game from them, less quick game that you do a lot with Joe Burrow, where they go empty yeah. and five guys into routes. That's it's a lot harder. Joe Burrow wants to live. It is a lot harder. So that's why I'm surprised to hear you say that that's how they want to live with Nick Mullins. Yeah, because that's what Nick Mullins. It's I think that's more of an O'Connell thing. This is fascinating because these two head coaches have the same dad. They're both off the off of McVay right. staff. That's why I'm so um, shocked. Yeah, and so when you get a different backup quarterback, but that might just be a different. I mean, that's that's what Jake Browning did a lot at Washington too, right? So like that's just his skill set. Mullins has been in these Shanahan systems a lot, and he's so far shown an ability to like read these things out and get the ball moving. Um, I don't think he throws that well on the run. So that might be the difference mm. is, you know, getting him out and moving him out, out into the flats and, and moving the pocket and stuff might not be better for him. He might be better at hit the thing at the top of your drop. And you're just not going to see like a wow, Josh Allen kind of, you know, layer it in over to get like, he'll be a little bit safer with it. But right now, because the other headline of the Vikings is that the defense is playing out of its skull. Um, Oh, we just kind of want like no turnovers. <laughs> like just don't do anything crazy. We'll take our, you know, go score 18 points and we'll be fine. Like we'll kick a few field goals. We'll try to win this like back in the day when Mike Zimmer was winning games 16 to 10. Uh, and, and that might be the way that this team kind of lives down the stretch here is by trying to, to really like collapse the game and lean on the defense more. And, and I was talking to a mutual friend, a guy we both know, Mike Santagata, yesterday about this and saying like, hey, look, if the Bengals can get to 20 in, in these games yeah. on the stretch against the Vikings, Steelers, not so much the Chiefs maybe, but Browns like against these backup quarterbacks with good defenses, getting to 20 I think is going to be tough. And we'll talk about this defense because I think that's one of the matchups and stories is incredibly intriguing to me. This week from a Bengals perspective, going from Gus Bradley to Brian Flores, you could not get more different in terms of the the style of defenses that Jake Browning at quarterback and and Zach Taylor on the offensive side of the ball are going to prepare for and see this week. But you talk about taking care of the ball. It does not appear to be one of Nick Mullen's strengths. 
just looking at the the PFF data here, Luke, for for what it's worth, they've got him. The last time he played a lot was 2020, so it's been a while. But he is a career turnover-worthy play rate at 4.5%, 33 turnover-worthy plays, just 2.5% for big-time throws. Seventeen. Half, that's nothing. Oh. That's where we, we eat four and a half for breakfast. You, yeah. you I, I'm not kidding. Like the other two guys are so much more. Jaron Hall, who did this a ton at BYU, and and Josh Dobbs, who just threw four in a game a couple weeks ago. So uh, happy about that number. Great. That's that's the best we got. Is what I'll say about that number. But turnovers have been the story of the Vikings this whole year. Uh, they've fumbled. They've thrown interceptions. They've had games where they turn it over three times in the first half and have to dig themselves out of a hole. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And that's kind of where it is. But if they can get through a game without turning the ball over, then they they stand a much better chance at success. The Bengals, one of the top teams in the NFL at turning over opposing offenses, and we'll see how that comes up as a factor this week because I really want to focus on these defenses. I think that it could be a bit of a defensive struggle, although Bengals fans are coming in thinking, man, they've scored 30 in two straight games. I think that that is going to be tougher this week. So we'll talk about that Vikings defense and what I think is one of the biggest matchups of the game, which is Flores against Taylor, Mm -hmm. hopefully staying on the sidelines, unlike when Flores was in Miami. And we'll get into those (laughs) matchups coming up next. This crossover episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a holiday season, and maybe you don't like getting gifts. Getting gifts is hard. It's stressful. Well, get a gift for yourself with BetterHelp. It's a great time to do that at the holidays. You finish your Christmas shopping, perhaps, your Hanukkah shopping, your holiday shopping, whatever the shopping is or isn't, and you want to treat yourself. Therapy could be a great way to do that if it's Going easier on yourself during the tough moments, you can do that too. But if it's therapy that you want to try, BetterHelp makes it incredibly easy to give yourself some love this holiday season. Right now, you can get 10% off your first month as well. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule with with multiple modalities and make it easily accessible. So in the spirit and season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today. You'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Luke, one of the most fascinating matchups to me in this game is Brian Flores and that Mm-hmm. I think you've called it deranged. At least I've referenced you calling it, it deranged. Probably. That sounds like something I would say. I, I do believe that it is deranged. Yes. And, and the style of defense that is blitz heavy, that is disguise heavy, where last week the Bengals picked apart a Gus Bradley defense ascending four and playing single high almost the entire game. That disparate approach, that juxtaposition I'm fascinated to see how the Bengals deal with it because they've been very good this year attacking teams that like to send their defensive ends flying upfield in the screen game with designer runs. Talked about that a lot on yesterday's mm-hmm. episode of Lockdown Bengals. But we also saw Jake Browning look like a deer in headlights against the Pittsburgh Steelers. A better defense like the Vikings, but also stylistically very different. Super different, yeah. So, okay, the Flores, you haven't seen anything like the Flores defense and you won't for the rest of the year either. It's about 60% Belichick and 40% Pat Narduzzi Pittsburgh Panthers, um, which 
Flores got from his year with the Steelers last year. They share a practice field. So we like watched some tape and like took some ideas from them. But basically the, the question of it is, and this is a question I always have for people on these crossovers. What is your favorite blitz counter? What's Zach Taylor's favorite blitz counter? When, when he's got, when you, when you see eight guys on the line of scrimmage, everybody's coming quarterback. Do they check into something? Is there a hot read? Uh, is, is it just, we're going to call a lot of screens and hope that we can punish that. What's the move? We've seen that answer change, of course, with without sure. Joe Burrow. But I think it isn't one thing. They will be hot at times. They will try to call screens at the right time at times and, and try to push the right button. But the other thing that they've always got in their pocket, and this is something that I think is, is fascinating hearing you ask that question, is I'm just going to throw it up to Jamar Chase or T. Higgins on a go ball. If, if there's nobody back All there right. to help. That's Three-step drop and just peeve it. Okay. There are a few options, I think. And the other one is that occasionally they'll go max protect and try to pick it up. But mm. with a backup quarterback, or I've been scolded for this, a guy who was a backup quarterback and is now starting his third game. <laughs> uh, Semantic. He's a backup. Yeah. Well, he didn't you know, see he's not on purpose. You didn't, you didn't want this. For this Luke. <laughs> uh, those answers shame in that. a little bit from when Joe Burrow is a quarterback. Got it. So the, the go route's really interesting. We haven't seen that. We've seen a lot of people trying for the screens and the quick stuff. You know, let's just hit like a dart RPO or let's hit like, um, you know, something that's one step in throw or three steps in throw um, slants and stuff like that. The slants don't work as well because they changed a lot of the stuff they were doing on the back end into like some some zone looks that would pick off a slant. They'll and be and able they're to dropping jump a slant. guys out, right? Like they're dropping guys yeah, yeah, yeah. those windows. Yeah, exactly. Um, so part of like a, a really key thing is when they are in, they, they call their, uh, max pressure formation. That look that usually you only see on third downs is their Bengal package. Um, and the blitz rules out of that are based on how the offensive line slides their protection. Someone drops out, someone will, will come. And so you'll have kind of depending on what the offense does determines how many people come and blitz. And the idea is that you always have one more than is protecting. So if you do want to do max protect, we're sending eight people. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have seven blockers, right? Or if you have eight blockers, we're sending nine for that. Like that's going to be how those uh, things work. And then people will will drop out based on the protection slide so that those like quick windows are still um, taken. And then you'll have corners playing really far off. Eyes on the quarterback. One, two, I snapped to the receiver and then you're probably breaking on something because usually guys will throw like little hitches against that. Mm -hmm. So it's one, two break or one, two eyes to the receiver. And then you play man to man from there. Um, but what, what could be interesting is if Jake Browning wants to just take that under center, three steps, throw something up to Jamar chase and you're, you're attacking a matchup th that is really interesting. And probably one of the biggest ones, which is Jamar chase versus I would guess Byron Murphy but they might play sides and let Jamar Chase go up against a Caleb Evans, who's a bigger corner um, and has been playing lights out, by the way. The, that, that would be an interesting matchup to test, but it's dangerous because if you ch check into that, if Jake Browning says, oh, they're coming, I'm throwing this go ball pre-snap, it might be a max cover look where we only rush three, and now you got safeties lurking over the top that are going to pick the heck out of that thing. Right. So, so you have to be really, really careful about how you do that. Um, 
Nobody has really figured out a good consistent answer to the Flores defense yet. Now that it has really hit its stride and they've kind of worked out the kinks over the first half of the season. Uh, but I, I kind of said on my show uh, yesterday, Zach Taylor's turn to try to figure this out. Now he's a pretty good offensive mind. And then Ben Johnson gets a couple cracks and Matt LaFleur gets a crack. So somebody's somebody's going to figure something out here and we'll see what can consistently work. I, I do think that, it is a challenge just because the answers they've had the last couple of weeks, maybe they, they aren't there the same way. How are they, the Vikings against, you know, those designer runs like crack toss, wham, trap, those sorts of things. Um, all of that stuff gets so much easier because of the fronts that they use mm -hmm. that they will do like, I wonder what front they'll live in. Cause usually they'll base out of either four, three or three, four. And then they'll kind of adjust from there. And it depends. It's a game plan thing. So against those, I'm going to guess that they would want even spacing, but that's super a guess. Um, and then they'll usually either shift into like tilt fronts that are like six, one, six guys on the line of scrimmage, or they'll have a five man front and then bring down another person as like an overhang defender. That's a six person. So they want six on the line of scrimmage, which, which makes it a, a lot. Hmm? Which we've seen against the McVay tree running attacks going back yeah. to like the Patriots a few years ago, right? Right. This That's the Belichick part. That's the yeah. stuff that Flores still has from his days in New England. Uh, and it breaks up all those double teams in like zone and stuff like that. But against those kind of designed tricky trap wham kind of family of things, it also puts guys in every gap. And it means it makes it really hard to protect the puller. Like if, you're, if your guard pulls to either do trap or, or power or whatever it is, it's really hard for that tackle to or that, or that center or whoever it is to collapse that gap because there is somebody in every single gap. <laughs> so like yeah. he's got his own thing to do and now he's pinned down by somebody else. Just having that, those extra guys on the line of scrimmage helps quite a bit. And the disadvantage is that you throw over the top of it a ton, but it's really hard to do that if we're also sending seven all the time. Yeah, I think that that is the, the chess game. And what yeah. the Bengals will have to figure out is the pre-snap, post-snap diagnosis or just putting Jake Browning in a position where he has answers. Something with Joe Burrow that I feel more confident about, right? Because he's so good at processing post-snap and so good at seeing the entire field and figuring out where he needs to go and when at a very, very high rate of efficiency and accuracy. And then with Jake Browning, we haven't seen him have to make those diagnoses nearly as often. So that, that's why we just spent eight minutes talking about that particular schematic chess match, because I think that that is such a crux of this game. Yeah. I also do want to talk about Justin Jefferson's return and some of the mm -hmm. players in this game as well. Ivan Pace Jr., maybe one that you didn't expect me to want to bring up, but a guy that a lot of Bengals fans know in her. Oh, yeah, sure. Because of the defensive Cincinnati player time. of the week, Ivan Pace yeah. Jr. He's had the game of his life. Well, and, and two weeks removed from Jake Browning being the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. So we got some undrafted go. yeah. undrafted. award winners in this I, game. And Tommy DeVito was was NFC Offensive Player of the Week this week, too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what is Who going on draft? this NFL season? Uh, we'll continue with uh, a couple more comments on some of the key players and matchups in this game before we wrap up this week's crossover coming up next. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings and Locked On Bengals is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And it's America's number one sports book for a reason. That's because if you are new to FanDuel, you can sign up right now at fanduel.com slash locked on. 
Make one $5 money line bet on any team. You can make a bet on Vikings or Bengals. If you don't want to uh, do that to yourself emotionally, I get it. Why don't you just throw it down on, say, the San Francisco 49ers, who are minus 800 against the Arizona Cardinals. Five bucks on that. And assuming the 49ers beat the Cardinals, which we all expect, you will get 150 bucks back in bonus bets. That's 30 to 1 odds on a minus 800 bet. Uh, that you can find at FanDuel Sportsbook. Or you can bet right now the uh, Vikings are two and a half point underdogs to the Cincinnati Bengals. So if you want to catch that right now, that would be it'd be a good time to bet the Bengals because you get that hook point on the field goal if you wanted to go do that. Uh, you can find that once again at FanDuel.com slash locked on 150 bucks in bonus bets for hitting on any $5 money line bet if you're new and sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel official sports betting partner of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Luke, before we get into what needs to go right for a win, and if you like mm -hmm. to do predictions, we can get to predictions. We got to talk about my biggest matchup for an entire segment, so I just wanted to open the floor up to you to sure. bring up any other matchups or, or players that you're highlighting or, or interested in talking about this week. So I'm really excited to see what the Vikings can do with Jefferson. We haven't really seen Jefferson since he got hurt in week five against the Chiefs. We saw him for less than a quarter against the Raiders, and then he got hurt again. Uh, he, that did knock him out of the game, but he's already announced that it's not going to knock him out for any more. He's going to play through it. He got an internal bruise in that game and had to go to the hospital to get that checked out. So kind of gnarly, but I guess it heals up pretty quick. So he's good to go. But then my question is, what is the Bengals move for superstar gotta know where he is at all times kind of receivers. Yeah, that will be the question this week. The Bengals once again, without cam Taylor Britt, who's on injured reserve. So it'll be a mix of Jadobe Abuse of DJ Turner there. I, I don't think there will be a shadow necessarily for, for those situations when they're not bracketing or clouding Justin Jefferson. We even saw They'll some probably do that a lot though. I, right? I imagine there will be a lot of that. They haven't, I'm trying to make sure I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth. They haven't played a ton of star receivers this year. They, they did see Stephon Diggs and, and the Buffalo Bills, but I, I feel like they haven't seen that superstar wide receiver a ton this year. And the defense has been very prone to explosive plays. And so that's where Justin Jefferson and even Jordan Addison, even TJ Hawkinson, where they've had issues with tight ends for sure, at times, like those guys are a little bit intimidating. But then I look at the Vikings offensive line and outside of Christian Derrissaw, especially if O'Neal doesn't play. I think that there's some things there that if so, you just get Nick Mullins uncomfortable off his spot, that's how you want to try to neutralize these weapons that are a little bit scarier that you have to scheme up a solution for. If you're Luana Ruma, who's going to throw a lot at you? He's not going to yeah, just yeah, be yeah. one thing. He 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 likes his his like exotic six man rushes, right? You'll you'll see. Well, I mean, when you're describing the yeah five often corner slot corner stuff with Mike Hilton, okay. often some safety stuff with Jordan Battle and Dax Hill from time to time. Occasionally, you'll you'll see some yeah. I mean, when when you're describing the way Flores likes to send pressure, there's some of that in the Bengal system as well, where they will read rush and and drop mm -hmm. out if guys stay in and, and that sort of thing. To like try peel to out with running up. backs and stuff. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. You'll see where, where linebackers will show blitz and then like bluff the blitz and back out that, that sort of stuff. Um, but, but I don't have a great answer for you as far as what they're doing this year. 
okay. on a consistent basis to deal with that kind of receiver just because they have probably by design. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so the Vikings offensive line has been lights out this year, uh, which is weird. We haven't had that in a decade, but they've been phenomenal. They're a little banged up right now with Brian O'Neill, who is uh, didn't practice on Tuesday or Wednesday or estimated not to practice on Tuesday, but also didn't practice for real on Wednesday. So I wouldn't expect him to go. He's got a sprained ankle that would put in David Questenberry, who is, yeah, going to need some help over there. So with some chips and stuff, but otherwise with Ed Ingram, who's improved quite a bit, Garrett Bradbury improved quite a bit uh, and Dalton Reisner, who they brought in in the middle of the season and Ezra Cleveland got hurt. Reisner came in, the Vikings didn't skip a beat and they actually traded Cle- Cleveland away. They were so happy with him. I, I kind of have disagreed with that move, but um, it's been a good unit in terms of just straight up one-on-one pass pro. And a lot of the pressure that they've suffered in the last uh, few weeks has been quarterbacks running into it, uh, particularly Dobbs kind of rushing into pressure, choosing the bad rush lanes, ruining his angles and stuff like that. Yeah. But though I, I don't put it on them as much, at least lately, but obviously, you know, you put in backups, it all changes. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm looking at with O'Neill potentially missing the game. Yeah, I, yeah. I look at that, but then on the other side, like the Bengals by far most explosive and disruptive pass rusher is Trey Hendrickson. Who's going mm-hmm. against a guy who's been fantastic in Christian Derrisson Hendrickson. Will he be up? Will be he uh, on the uh, left tackle the whole time? Be, unless they make a dramatic change of plans to take advantage of a potential backup on the other side, Trey Hendrickson lines up at right end. Oh, that's a game. sick matchup. That will be, must see TV, I think. Should be because Darisaw has been he was he he was better last year than he has been this year. I think uh, he's been a little less consistent this year, but like just in one on one spots, he's still as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. He anchors like crazy. Like anything that's speed to power on him, um, you, like you can get into his chest and he, he's one hop and he is down. Like the athleticism and flexibility of it is so crazy. Uh, and he'll get in your head a little bit too on the runs and, you know, a little extra shove here and there. He's kind of a mean, nasty guy uh, that plays so physically. I, I've been saying since I scouted him at, at uh, Virginia, like Darisaw takes the fun out of football. Like it just looks miserable to play against him. Yeah. Well, and Trey <laughs> so Henderson. It'll be a, an endurance thing as much as anything, you know. Trey Hendrickson's going to be talking the entire game too. That's going to be oh, fantastic. Fun That's going to be Trey so Henderson fun. <laughs> is, is known on the Bengals to be one of the better trash talkers, which like I feel like a Great. lot of people don't think about Trey Hendrickson. Enough. You got to get him on the interior because Bradbury's a hothead and Reisner talks a little bit too. Darisaw is pretty quiet. Mm. He's pretty like head down, kind of Terminator style. But the the interior guys will will have a word with you. So you got to stunt him on the inside. You know, see if you can't. Get, get guys to go a little bit too hard, draw a 15-yard flag, that kind of deal. And interestingly, where I, where I think the stunts will come is going to be on the other side. Sam Hubbard, BJ Hill have combined for a pretty sure. nasty game and twist and, and power stunt. And that's the side that struggled with it more. Right. So that would be the move. Right. That'll be interesting to watch. I, I think that the whole game plan for the Bengals on defense is going to be try to muddy the picture for Nick Mullins, make him mm-hmm. think, and make him put the offensive line in a bad spot. Because I'm not... After the way the Bengals' defense stepped up in the run game last week, I have a little bit more confidence in them against a running game. This averaging, like the Bengals, 3.9 yards per carry does not look to me from the outside to be the most efficient running game to make Nick Mullins have to beat them. And yes, Justin Jefferson can certainly do that, but I think that if they can 
make it a Nick Mullins drop back and beat us kind of game, that's where the Bengals are going to want to live on defense. Makes sense. This game is on FanDuel over under 40. That feels high. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Are we taking the, the over there? Like first to 20 wins kind of game? Yeah, the, first to 20 wins. We'll be there for maybe hours. Even, maybe even 17. Yeah. Yeah, maybe first to hours. 17. I mean, it's going to be... Here's what I think this game comes down to. You want a key to the game? Uh, I say it every time. I sound like a broken record. It's not an interesting answer, but it's the right one. It's turnovers. Yeah. Uh, whoever turns the ball over, or whoever protects the ball better, I will say. Yeah. will win the game because you know the if the Bengals are going to play a lot of aggressive defense try to generate turnovers the Vikings have been turnover prone if I'm walking away from the Vikings with the loss I'm probably going to foresee that I'm blaming that um but on the other hand if the Vikings can be safe protect the ball and let their defense do what it does they get really hard to beat yeah I think defensive struggle in this one the defensive plays better wins but the the x factor I'm going to throw out there is special teams always can be oh boy a, a real wild card. The Bengals have not had great success punting the ball this year. And mm. they've gotten away with some stuff. Their punt game has not been great, let's say. They've been pretty good in the kick return game, which I know they're talking about changing kick return rules again. Uh, but if they have opportunities there to get short fields, like short fields and turnovers are, are things yep. that you're looking at this week as far as teams with, with points out and... Justin Jefferson, yeah. Jamar Chase getting loose and, and getting explosive touchdowns mm -hmm. here or there. Like these are the ways that the points are. I, I, yeah. I'm not imagining long, drawn out, grindy drives. It's going to come down to like specific moments rather than this sort of sustained, like the, like it, there's a really good chance that like the overall EPA or success rate of this game does not match the results of this game, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it'll come down to, yeah, that explosive or that short field when it's, it's hard to move the ball. Otherwise you need to just kind of snap one big one off on, on a, in any phase. Or this is the week that Brian Flores defense gets figured out. I don't think hey, maybe, but maybe. Uh, I mean, it's, it's tough with a backup, you know, you're just kind of trying to survive by that point, but well, but then they scored some good offensive minds in this league. We and and they're feeling good about themselves right now. They're feeling great about their screen game, but I, I do think that the stylistic defenses differences on defense are going to be very difficult and and something super interesting. Going to be fascinating to watch. For more on this game, Locked On Vikings, Locked On Bengals will have you covered both before and after the game. We've got one more show this week, and then we've got post game shows, of course, as well here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So until then, thanks for listening to this crossover, and enjoy your weekend.